Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by me, Padamaro. It's episode 142. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, but mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we have Lucida Galana back to finish this uh, trilogy of episodes. Uh, And this week, we're discussing the rares of this format, and there are are a couple uh, doozies to <laughs> that we'll definitely talk about, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, which uh, I, if you play draft, you probably one or two probably come to mind. Um, so I'm excited for this episode and to see how they kind of compare to some of the uncommons. So welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be back. I I couldn't help but chuckle when you talked about some doozies because oh man, do we have some doozies to talk about? The I'll I'll just say as my brief preview that Direwolf made some choices in the cards that they created for this set. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, it it is interesting. It it is interesting how they sometimes do their like distinction between rare and legendaries and how not every set but just about every set seems to have one or two rares that seem to be vastly above the power level of even some of the legendaries um and of the other rares yeah i completely agree and and this set is no exception um all right, so I, I guess before we get into it, um, how has your draft uh, few weeks been? So I was I was doing really well until this week. This week I really fell off the wagon, but I I was running super hot for like the two weeks before that. Um, I got myself up to number one in the ladder. Um, I was there for like a game, then I got knocked out immediately. Then I got back to number one. Now I'm down around thirty, I think. Last time I looked. Um, but I have just fully embraced the, the fact that time is really good and I just play time all the time now. Um, and and it just doesn't feel wrong. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, there's some mediocre time card. I guess I'm going to play it. And, And, you know, people are still passing beekeepers. I feel like I'm losing it, but you know, I'll get a, I'll get a beekeeper like eighth. Well, okay, if you insist. That's that's funny. So, what what do you think has gone wrong this last week? Just a, a bit of variance or anything uh, a, a changed? A bit of variance, like a bit of variance for sure. Um, I had a couple of drafts in a row where I just didn't really cast spells, um, which you know that happens. It only takes it only takes like six games in a row. Or so to where you just don't draw enough power, um, and then was when you play as many games as I do, you're gonna hit a spot like that. I also think, like objectively looking at, I've been playing kind of bad this week, um, which I don't really know why, but I just have noticed I'm making a bunch of mistakes, or maybe I am just now noticing that I'm making a bunch of mistakes for the first time. Could be. Um, so I think that that's part of it. Um, I find near the end of the month that the competition gets a little tougher. Um, I think the the people who draft until they hit master and then stop, uh, stop playing and all of the addicts um, 
like me just keep jamming. And so, you know, I'm playing against a lot of people. I also just like the competition is heating up. Like some people, you know, Kilibovich is back. Isomorphic is back. Some of these people who have like really, really good records against me lifetime are playing again. Um, And so like, that's great for the game. And I'm really glad to see them back. But, uh, you know, my, my heart can sink a little bit when I'm like, ah, crap, here we go again. Yeah, it's really cool to see Klebovich, uh <clears throat> to see Klebovich back. You know, he he took a a bit of a hiatus for a while now uh, from Eternal, but he seems to be streaming it uh, pretty regularly now. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's I, good for the game. Caleb, Caleb's super fun. Um, I I spent a lot of time on his stream, um, but you know now now it's like oh. I guess Caleb is streaming, so I get to watch. I get to watch what he thinks of our game in a bit here. Um, yeah, no, it's it, but like uh, I, I don't know. I don't mind going on a losing vendor anymore. I, I think I've reached a point where I sort of accept my skill level as inconsistent, um, and so I go on a losing vendor, and I, I was like, well, that's that's the thing that happened. I try to just get back on the wagon. Yeah, yeah, we kind of talked about this the first episode that you were on, because like it's a thing that I still struggle with. It's like, um, you know, when you talk about, oh yeah, like I hit rank one um, a couple times, and then I went down to thirty on a losing bender, and like, I don't know why I have this like desire to t- try to like contextualize my skill. I think it's like still struggling with. Uh, imposter syndrome <laughs> or whatever where it's like when i hit rank one i'm like what does this like mean existentially or, or like uh, is, is this my like i never know how to feel like do i feel like oh i just got really lucky and hit one and then when i drop i'm like mm-hmm. oh should i just feel like i got really unlucky and hit this spot um i think Part of that that specific thing that really helps me is the first time I ever hit number one, I was just literally the only person in Master. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, well, this is a joke. <laughs> so ever ever since then, you know, like if I, if I hit number one, it's, it's cool. Um, this this is the first month I have ever ground into number one um, in the way that I did, where like when I got up to number one for the first time, I went from like mid thirties up to number one just. And I was like, okay, I'm running hot. And I let myself think, like, maybe I'm good at this game. Then, you know, I came crashing back down, and it helped, honestly, just be like, okay, maybe I'm inconsistent at this game. Yeah. Yeah, because I kind of had a similar thing where, um, you know, we haven't recorded in a little while about Traft, and like, I was, like, doing all right. Then I was kind of, like, not doing great. Um, And then I... Uh, you know, like a few weeks ago, I kind of like burned through all of my gems. I burned through all of my gold. And then I was like, I think I need to uninstall <laughs> uninstall Eternal from my phone for a little bit. Because I was just <laughs> like getting kind of frustrated. Like, because it was just like so many drafts in a row where I felt like my decks were okay. I was okay. And I just like couldn't get even close to that sort of break even point. And then once you start burning through your gold, I mean, it's like draft is a lot more kind, um, you know, with the reward system than it used to be. But it's still hard to, like, get ahead um, unless you're running really hot. And so 
I was just, and I was kind of, I felt like I was playing too much. So I was like, I just need a little bit of break. Um, and so I, I uninstalled Eternal. I uninstalled Discord from my phone and just kind of like focused on other things for a little bit, um, which was, uh, I think, ended up being really, really good for me. Um, that's real. That's really good discipline. I'm super impressed. I, I don't know that I could manage that. I have a, I have a very compulsive personality. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, so do I, which is why I had to just like uninstall them, you know, cause yeah, like no, I okay. try to convince myself that I can like be disciplined or like, Hey, I can keep, you know, cause I do have like some friends that I only talk to on discord. So I'm like, Oh, I can be disciplined and I'll just use it as like, you know, just like a instant messenger. And then it's like mm -hmm. not true. Then I'm just like constantly checking to see what the different discords are saying or if anyone's talking about draft. And all of a sudden it's like consuming my life again. And the same with Eternal. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I always dream I can just play like a couple games a day and then I'll be totally fine. And then I, you know, going on a losing bender. And then all of a sudden I'm like playing six games in the morning before work and stuff. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden it's like, not i'm like not getting the stuff i need to get done done so i was like oh let's take a little break also this is like not totally related to eternal but i've been like my son is now nine so we've been doing more stuff together um that are not eternal so it's like mm. you know it's hard to have more than one hobby because i get really into my hobby so we've been playing a, a card game called flesh and blood uh, which is a physical kind of card game. And so then I'm like, always wanting to like, <laughs> pretty look good. it's great. Yeah. It's pretty good. Thanks to flesh and blood. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. What's n the, the thing I like most about it, honestly, is that my son sort of grokked it better than he grokked magic. Um, okay. And, and so he was able to, there's like a couple classes in the game that are pretty easy to pick up and you don't really have to like, the floor is really high on them. So you can just like play your cards and, and win a game here and there. And so I got, we got, we kind of lucked our way into one of those decks and then he like really understood what was happening. And so we've been uh, going once a week to our local game store and playing and, uh, kind of enjoying ourselves. So I've been kind of wrapped up in that. Welcome to Flesh and Blood Learn to Clips. That's yeah. awesome. Maybe I'll check it out. We're a, we're a big magic household over here, me and my roommate. Um, we play a lot of magic. We actually are um, sort of complete degenerate. So my roommate's hobby is making uh, cubes, cube sets. Yes. Magic. And um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but so during the pandemic, we just, uh, we created a draft format ourselves so we draft uh four decks each we we've got this flow chart that we put out on the table in front of us that makes it sort of simulate like we're passing back and forth between each other our four our four decks um and then we play matches with those so that's our that's our card game physical card game hobby over here yeah that's funny i'm i'm like really i got really into cube for a while too but the main issue was that I had no one to play magic with. So I would like every once in a while, it was mostly like a peasant cube for mm. financial reasons. But so I'd like be constantly like working on and updating my cube <laughs> and stuff. And then I'm like, and then I would get kind of 
tired or bored of it because I never actually played it. And then uh, six months later, I'd get like really into like updating my cube and stuff and then realize I still had huh. no one to play with it. So that's what's been fun about uh, Flesh and Blood is uh, I have someone to play with it. <laughs> I think that's really awesome. I, I'm really glad you have games to play with your kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting. Our 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 community, local community, is uh, very small. So there's mostly just like uh, five or six of us, and sometimes there's just like four of us. But it's cool because the the four people that go the most are me, Ernie, who's nine, and then this other guy and his daughter, who's eleven. So then we we have like a a, a it's sort of a good spread. So like the nine year old and 11 year old can play against each other and have fun. And I can play against the other dad and have fun. And, uh, and then we just had our first like, uh, store tournament. Uh, and, uh, Ernie got second and he was so stoked. It was very exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then he won the, the, play mat for which was just a door prize so it was random but there's only five of us and our family <laughs> was two of the five so it was like pretty likely <laughs> we're gonna win one of the two dorm the one of the two play mats but then he won it and he was like he was already like figuring out how to like frame it and stuff and so it's pretty cool oh that's that's so cute i love it all right well that was a bit of a tangent but um yes the the point being that I I did reinstall Eternal on my phone, and uh, I've been playing just a, a little bit, but I haven't bought gems. And as it turns out, it takes a really long time to get five thousand gold when you play two games a day. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> so, but I I did manage it uh, last week, and then I drafted this pretty sweet Stone Scar deck, and then I played it. And then I immediately went one three and got back down to having no gold, um, and it was it was kind yeah. of frustrating. I kind of wanted to just get your opinion on this deck, so I'll just read it out really quick. And I mean, like, tell me if I'm crazy because this seemed like I thought I was like, oh, I'm really doing this, and then I was like, maybe I'm missing something about this format that caused me to get absolutely bodied with this deck. So um, it had uh, it's one Drifter, one Grove Firebow, one Grove Supplier, two Harness Thrill Seekers, two Slinking Roach, uh, two Tenebrous Bone Picker, one Amethyst Acolyte, one Cat Burglar, one Granite Acolyte, three Young Blood Glider, one Amethyst Beetle, one Caravan Crusher, one Party Crasher, one Camp Menace, Two Viper Fang Spear, that's a shadow uh, rare. Uh, one Stone Scar Maul, um, two Ignite, one Bone Music, two Extinguish, two Hurry Drive. And then I was running uh, 16 Power, which in some sense is probably a little light because I am running a couple six drops, but also felt like I had a fair bit of Hunt and Nightfall to. Uh, to help with that. So I was kind of cheated a little bit mm. on power. Yeah. I, I mean, so I saw this image in the, in the Google doc that we use and I was like, Oh, that dog looks pretty sweet. Um, I, if I drafted this, I would expect to get more than one win for sure. Um, mm. it, it's interesting. You know, you are missing a really hot two drops, uh, from fire, right? You don't have any of the, 
wow, I'm just totally blanking on the the hunt the uh, nightfall double damage. Yeah, the um, Twilight Lantern. Twilight Lantern, yeah, and. You know, I'm looking at it, it's like, well, is there something wrong with this deck? Like, no, not really. You know, I don't love the roaches, but they do a thing. Yes. Um, yeah, no, the roaches are definitely, yeah. like, the worst part of the deck, but it's, like, so mm. aggressive that I felt like I needed the extra I, twos because I just wanted to play something on two. I completely agree. Yeah, that's that's basically, um, you know, I, I have a really soft spot for Drifter. I think Drifter is just often very good one drops or they just the drifter trades up in this format so commonly um like your creature spread is creature spread is good you've got nice attachments and good spells you know it's kind of hard for you to trigger your harness thrill seeker this deck yeah um but the fail case for harness thrill seeker is often trading up also since it's got three power yeah um, exactly and i do have you know, in addition to my seven spells, I was thinking, you know, Caravan Crusher, Amethyst Beetle, the two roaches, uh, Tenebrous Bone Picker, like all give the possibility of hunting for a spell also. So that seemed Sorry, like... Sorry, I was thinking... I was thinking the Thrill Seeker, the three one that frenzies. Oh, for the Thrill... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying Young Blood Glider. Oh, no, sorry. I think, I think your gliders are great. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think the I think the Thrill Seekers fits this deck really well too. Um, I I suspect you you know like could I see ways to make this deck better? Yeah, right. You just you know have a bunch of the really bomby two drops or something. Um, well, not bomby, but you know have, you know upgrade your two drops would be the thing that would make this that would push this deck over the top. But I mostly think it looks pretty good. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it could, use some evasion. it could use some evasion, and you know, I would trade caravan crushers for party crashers. But that's just you know, if I could build a constructed deck and play it in draft, I think that um, this looks like a sweet deck to me. I wouldn't say there's anything super wrong with it. Yeah, and then what happened is I just got <clears throat> I lost like one game to uh, better up, kind of fair and square or whatever. I mean, all the games were mm -hmm. kind of fair and square, but like. And then two games, it's just like my opponent, like, you know, I did a thing, like I played Grove Firebow into Thrill Seeker, and then my opponent played the Shadow 2 drop that deals Neg 1 to two creatures. Oh, yeah. And then... I was thinking, you're, you're probably pretty cold to that card. Yeah, and then there was another game where there was like a similar... My opponent played like... I forget exactly what it was, but it was like a similarly super anti-aggro card and then i was so then i was just kind of wondering if maybe like aggro wasn't the place to be because i really got wrecked hard by two very early anti-aggro cards and um and this is a very yeah. very i think this is a good aggressive deck so i was just like well if this deck is not working then maybe i need to try a different strategy <laughs> It is a really interesting question. Maybe it's maybe aggro decks aren't particularly great. I've been playing more mid rangey decks recently. You know, a lot of time, a lot of like when I get to my four and fives sort of decks. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to look at my last many drafts, and I've sort of I've stopped keeping track track except for my seven win drafts, which I post in the Discord. Um, yeah, and. I've, 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 
feel like, feel like we're getting a lot of five and six uh, win drafts with yeah with mid range creatures. Yeah, it's true, and I think you know it could also just be the again because I haven't been sort of following the trends of the format, taking a little break. But it, it just was I was just wondering if maybe like now that the format has matured a bunch, if sort of getting free wins with these aggressive decks is more difficult, especially as you're saying, like, you, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where it's a lot of the diehards are, are the mm -hmm. ones who are playing, who are more prepared to deal with these kind of decks. Uh, could be. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, did you want to talk about the, your last deck? Yeah, so I, I just wanted to post like my last, my current draft, which I, I haven't lost my third game yet, but it's uh, I felt like it was an example of you know, uh, sometimes you just run kind of bad. Um, so this deck has a diligent hive tender, an oasis seeker, two stonefist nomads, a twilight lantern, an all head comma vanguard, amber acolyte, or young blood gliders, an armaments collector. A Looming Fire Shell, Cautious Mantis, Who Party Crashers, Canafly, Indian Lurker, Lumen Shepherd, Relentless Hair, that is, yes, 20 creatures, Three Ignites, A Hurried Drive, and On the Prowl, A Soul Fire, and Obliterate, and an, A Binding Agreement. This deck has so many incredible rares and uncommons in it. And the first two games I played, I just got absolutely spanked. Um, yeah. To the point where I was just like, what is happening here? Um Yeah, it's oh. funny. I mean, I think I think this is a comment you hear on your decks a, a lot, probably. I would play another power in this deck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I think you're right, actually, as I stare at it. This probably is not this is probably incorrect to play 17 power. Yeah. Um just so I'm just too greedy. Yeah, I mean it looks like a, a it, yeah, I agree. It seems like a a very very strong deck. I wonder. I would cut like the Arcano Fly or something, or the Canyon Lurker, Canyon Lurker, and then just play like another. Power yeah, deck. you're absolutely right. I think of those. I would cut the Lurker just because I have very little evasion. Yeah, no, that's a good call. But um, but yeah, but then you know, like sometimes you post a deck and people give comments like that, and you're like, well. Uh, I was never stuck on power, and I still lost all my games. <laughs> you know, so like sometimes the the little knobs you can turn on the deck don't actually aren't actually the reasons you lose. But yes, mm. um, yeah, yeah. I I definitely great. I don't remember I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know that the second game I played with this, I like I had one of those set of turns. It was like a card, like oh, that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. And then take my next turn and be like, well, that was also the wrong thing to do. You know, when you when you can see all of your bad plays like 10 seconds later, um, I certainly had those moments. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's given the audience a little glimpse into where we're at. So you've been playing a lot. I've been playing a little. So, but I think with the rares, some of these are so obvious that I think even I should be able to... Uh, correctly express, <laughs> express my feelings about this. I, 
I do want to say, I think it's really funny looking at the two screenshots, which obviously people can't see, but you and I both have a thousand plus unopened packs. And this is just my plea to Direwolf to please give us some way to open packs quickly. I, the last time I went on a pack opening frenzy, I just got my laptop out and put something on the space bar and let it run for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I would, I would just kill for a quick open button. Yeah, no, I agree. I every once in a while, I I mean, now I've been, you have a lot more shifts done than me, but um, I'm like, still, even when I craft decks, it doesn't really dent my shift stone. So I'm like, I stopped opening packs. Yeah, I've, I've just started foiling out my constructed decks for fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we talk about these? Should we talk about these rares? Yeah. So, well, what I first wanted to do um, is talk about what we were kind of thinking was the gold standard in the uncommon slot. And... Ah. All right. And then, so here's what... I'm just going to throw out the top three based on our the spreadsheet of mm. uncommons. All right. So number one is Fourth Tree Elder. Number two is Marison Legacy. And then um, if we're going just by, it's like not count, but like count per deck kind of thing then we have a bunch of the then it's uh lovebirds and ballista marksmen wow four justice or three justice cards yeah there. and then after that is amethyst beetle so that would round out the top five delightful okay so okay so that was fourth tree elder marison's legacy of birds uh the thing that gives flying yeah. Beetle. Yeah. So do you feel, right. how, how do you feel about that, that order of things? Uh, you know, that feels about right. I'm, I've got all the uncommons pulled up right now and like, wow. Yeah. Justice's uncommons are just really good. Yes, they are. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm into that. I think that's, that's a good list. So as we go through these rares, do we want to sort of compare to, yeah, I think, list. what would you say? Would Are you, like, pack one, pick one, is it fourth tree elder for you? Or would you pick, like, a Marison's Legacy above that? Especially considering your not... love of time, I guess. Yeah, I haven't had to make that choice yet. Um, I think that it would depend on how disciplined I was feeling, because I would look at it. I think that Marison's Legacy... Is incredible, but even somebody as greedy as I am, I acknowledge that it is triple time. I think it's probably fourth tree elder, fourth tree elder. I think is what I should take there. Okay. Um, but if I take if I take fourth tree elder, I'm really hoping to end up in combat. You know, so that's complicated. Yes. So my my one other sort of clarifying question is: Where does relentless hair fit into all of this? Like, would you pick relentless hair over any of these five? Oh, mm. not first pick. Not first um, pick. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I just don't want to pick a two color or a two faction card. First pick. Mm -hmm. Unless it's not unless the pack is really bad or I am just feeling like a madman. Yeah. 
Well, it's, yeah. Well, though, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like it doesn't actually take that much further down before you start thinking about, for me to start thinking about Relentless Hair. Like, there's definitely a Great. couple other Justice and Commons where I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I probably take a, um, like an elite Myrmidian over Relentless mm. Hair. There's some of the Beatles I probably take over Relentless Hair. But then you're just like, after that, you know, it's like, Relentless Hair is pretty good. Yeah. All right. Hair, it does. It does just win some games. Okay. So, but yeah. So let's uh, let's get into it. We'll, we can start with uh, fire here, and um, so the, the number one um, fire uh, rare is Os Osuar Oswar Os Oswar. I don't know. Um, I know that Os is bone. Yeah. Os um, and, okay. And Os yeah, an ossuary is somewhere you keep bones. So I don't know. Is ossuar bone? I, long, yeah, anyway. Yeah, okay. No, you, you, I thought you convinced me. Ossuar, um, yeah. Ossuar longbow, uh, which is the uh, four fire fire three two overwhelm versatile summon hunt two. Yeah. My, my one question about this data is um, this is lifetime data, right? So this is pre and post nerf on this card. It is pre and post nerf, though the thing with it is um, here. Sorry, let me scroll down here. Um, 1.16. Uh, sorry. But for for anybody yeah. who doesn't know who's listening, uh, this used to have three toughness and they nerfed it down to two because it was a, a, a bit good. Yes, is that it's not like dropping that much in its count per se, uh, you know, in its count per deck. And so what that just kind of means is as we get more decks, it, about the same percentage of these are still appearing. That makes sense to me. Like this card, you know, it, it's got the word versatile on it. And that is so true for this thing. I think of all the weapons, basically, all the versatile weapons that I play with, it is the one that I find most thrives in either mode. Yeah. You know, like, we'll talk, when we get to justice, we'll talk about the 3 3 lifesteal weapon. And, like, that one's like, eh. I don't really want to play that on my avatar. I want to put that on a creature. But, man, longbow, sure. Which Whichever. You know what? Um, a hunt, you should, um, most decks, are about a third power so with two uh hunts you can you can be pretty sure you're gonna get one bump on it um i guess the math is like well, a third times a third since so a ninth so you're like you're like eight eight and nine times you get one bump on it uh which is just like great um so you're gonna kill something of your opponents and deal some damage to them that's incredible. And then it has it has overwhelm and so it makes your creatures just like impossible to block too. Yeah. Sure. I, I love this. I love this card. Yeah, and it's so big. It's I think the overwhelm is what really does it cuz that's really what makes it very versatile because like a lot of the versatile weapons 
like when you put them on a creature, you're just like, it's a, sort of just an expensive stat boost. But this is like, mm -hmm. this is actually definitely getting damage in. You know, it, it's like, I mean, obviously these aren't comparable, but it's like the common, the 3 1 for 3 versatile weapon, right? Like, yes, it can go on a unit, and if you have a flyer, you'll put it on there sometime, but you're. It's still kind of like a scary two for one scenario where you might actually not even get any damage in. But when you put this on something, you know, like worst case scenario, even if they block it, you're at least getting a bunch of damage in. So, yeah, I agree. I was like, it, it's funny, like, obviously, now that it's a three, two, this is like less true. But when it was like a four cost three, three. Even without Huntu, it, it seemed like an incredible... Like, even if it didn't have Huntu, it would be an incredible weapon. Obviously, the high roll where, where this turned into a 5-5 five five or now a 5-4 is, like, above rate and versatile and is just, like, unbelievable. But, it, so yes, this is just an incredible... And one of the top rares. I, I love it. Yes. All right, next, uh, another great card, and that is uh, Evening Hair. This is the four fire fire, five three overwhelm, summon nightfall, the top unit or weapon of your deck gets plus three and overwhelm. <laughs> it just has so much text, it must be good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I think just w the rares also have just consistently showed Things that give like big stat boosts to cards in your deck tend to be very strong. Yeah, um, you know, even even with the presence of hunt in this format, meaning that sometimes you don't get that boosted unit off the top of your deck, the the rate on this is just awesome. It's five power with overwhelm, right? It has overwhelm. Yes. Um. Yeah, five power overwhelm. Just like it just eats face so well. Yeah, and I mean, uh, despite what um, I was questioning aggressive decks now, it's just like fire still feels like it should be aggressive. And uh, Nightfall, I think, uh, unless you're playing specifically Felm Nightfall, it's like fire likes Nightfall, I think, because a lot of its units are cheap and small. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just will continue to say I think Nightfall is one of the best mechanics I've ever seen in a card game. It's just so good. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's I I like it too. I mean, I even it's just like having more cards and more choices in card games is is kind of fun. Uh, all right, number. Um, oh, sorry. Did you have more to say? Uh, I I was just saying like I think it's interesting that our top three cards to give a little foreshadowing all have the same cost. They're all four cost double fire. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think I mean if you actually look at now that I'm looking at all of the rares. Um, Five of the eight fire rares are four cost double fire uh, in this set, and, and and one of the legendaries. Yeah, and um, wow. So uh, yeah, so number uh, three is a uh, looming fire shell, and that is uh, the four cost fire fire four four looming fire shell has overwhelm while it has eight or more attack. When looming fire shell attacks, you hunt two. 
I mean, again, I'll say it's got so much text. It must be good. Yeah. Yeah, this um, one's a little interesting in that I do feel like it is worse than the other two because it doesn't have an immediate impact. And so it's kind of like a must-kill target um, because it can sort of grow out of control. But I have yet to have my Looming Fire Shell naturally get to 8 from attacking uh and nor have i really had an opponent have i let one live long enough for an opponent to get that big against me yeah i i don't think i've seen it either it essentially has taunt um and you're really rolling the dice when you attack with it too which is interesting um you know like i said with with the hunt two, you have a really good likelihood of hitting two power or hitting one um of not hitting two power Right, so you're probably getting one bump on it from your hunt. And then, you know, you got to do combat math. And, uh, the the cognitive tax on this card is kind of high in that you have to do sort of complicated combat math to figure out, like, okay, well, what if it gets one hit? What if it gets two hits? Um, but, you know, that applies to your opponent as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's like one of those cards. I mean, it just feels like having a repeated hunt should be a powerful, powerful ability. But I will say this one has mm. like slightly underperformed my expectations in that like it seems like, I don't know, maybe it is an absolute bomb, but it, it, it like it kind of reads like a bomb and then I've it always dies. And, and so it's never felt like a bomb. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, next is Aesthetic Lantern. Um, and this is uh, my favorite card. And this is the one fire, two one charge. When Aesthetic Lantern attacks, discard a card and draw a card. At the end of your turn, put Aesthetic Lantern into your hand. Hell yes. I love, I love this card. Yeah, I I agree. And I think it just plays so much better than it seems like it should play. Yeah. Even in draft. It, it just, you know what, like, dropping it on one, getting some damage in, it just, it really chips away. And you frequently find ways to, you know, attack with it. You know, and there's all these, like, really fun scenarios, like, um, maybe I've got the the primal uh, Olos. You're like, maybe I've got Olos in play, and I could just get to hunt with it every turn or whatever. But like, you don't need any of that. Just just play it and attack with it. Um, digging through your deck is just really powerful. Um, a thing to know for anybody who is not aware: uh, this draws you a card if your hand is empty. So if your hand is empty before you attack with it, and you just straight up draw a card. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I did have a, I, I had a really fun, tricky play yesterday that I was super proud of with this, which is I had a binding agreement in my hand. That's the six cost, discard your hand, draw cards until you hit two of the same cost. And so I had this and a binding agreement, and I just played this as the binding agreement, and this returned to my hand. I was like, oh yeah, 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 nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think this card. I think this card is awesome. Agreed. Um, all right. And then, um, then there's a huge gap and, uh, until we get to, I think more or less the only, uh, I guess there's 
other playable ones. But then there's Grove Craftsman, which uh, maybe you're all 14 copies of this. I don't know, because you seem to, <laughs> to like this card. <laughs> oh, my God. I was about to be like, I told you so. I told you this is playable. And then I think you're right. I might be all 14 copies. I think this card is amazing. Um, it has to be in the right deck where you've got a good amount of hunt. But uh, it just turns out that turning all your hunt ones into hunt twos is a huge change. Yes, it um, makes it much hunt, more likely, hunt. like you were saying, to hit at least one. Yeah, I, it's it's just um, there is a when you have this card, there's becomes this like funny viable. Well, first of all, your lantern lights are even better than usual. Um, but I I have had this card out and put my opponents in real danger of decking. Um, just some consistent hunt because if you've got a lot of it, you start like really having a clock. Yeah. Um and also, you know, it's got three power. Um, yeah, I, if if this was a three three, I'd be like really into it. As a three two double fire that you're probably not getting its ability immediately. It's just I find myself very suspicious. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying it's unplayable. I just feel like yeah, it's it's tends not to be in the realm of cards that I would pick over some of these like uncommons or even the best commons. And therefore it's unlikely I'm going to get this rare. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, only other there's young blood driver, which is the four fire fire four two summon play a random one cost unit for each spell you've played this turn. This card is just, I think, personally way too hard to make work and you're not i don't know the one cost units aren't that great and it's not like a lot of other effects that um this has where it's like it's not there's that one card that would like buff the one cost unit that you played like this doesn't do that so you're just like getting a bunch of one cost random one cost units yeah and by bunch, I mean one, usually. <laughs> is... Right, yeah. Uh, no, you're really right. It's like, you get you get one, sometimes you get two. I saw somebody get three, and I was really happy for them, and then I beat them. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know what the run-hot situation is. Like, what's the best one-drop you can get from this? If you get three uh, aesthetic lanterns, that'd be pretty sweet. Okay, okay. I was thinking the um, the power surge or whatever that mechanic is, the one cost unit that gets power equal to your uh, unspent, it gets uh, power and toughness equal to your unspent power. Mm. But, you know, that that's like, oh, I have 15 power and also went nuts with Youngblood Driver. Like, no, I think this card's, I think this card's just pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I This is another card where, like, <clears throat> you know, just make it a uh just make it have overwhelm or something to make it like playable on its face a little bit would have helped a lot because this falls into like i feel like grove craftsman and young blood driver are to me similar in that they they've they're build around cards but then and and they took off like face value rate on them base rate on the cards but then i just feel yeah. like the either the build around condition is not good enough or too hard 
or the effect is not good enough even if you build around it. Um, yeah, and then the last two cards, Rabbit's Foot and Heat, Heated Compromise, I feel like you just shouldn't really play. Yes, completely agreed. All right. So where would you take, um, if we're going with um, Fourth Tree Elder, where would you take Fourth Tree Elder with these cards? Um... Uh, that's tough. I assuming that I'm in Rakano already. I think I take it over a Cedic Lantern, but maybe not just because a Cedic Lantern is such a pet card for me. Yeah, yeah, that's my my problem. A little bit. I mean, it feels like Fourth Tree Elder probably better than Looming Fire Shell, right? You know, maybe you're right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I personally would pick Ascetic Lantern over Looming Fire Shell, so this is where I'm thinking. And then I like Ascetic Lantern, probably worse than Fourth Tree Elder, but I still would probably take it because it's like cheaper, it's more fun, and it helps you dig mm. through your deck. So I could, I can like tell myself a story about it. Um, I think uh, Fourth Tree Elder versus Evening Hair is pretty interesting, um, and I think I take Evening Hair if I'm more of an aggressive fire deck and then fourth tree elder if i'm more of a good stuff justice deck yeah makes sense to me so um sorry one second from Uh, sorry. Okay. So, time. Some good time cards, too. Uh, yeah. So, number one uh, in our list, and actually number one and number two are essentially tied uh number yeah. three there's like uh they're all actually pretty close to each other at the time as compared to um fire which had a huge drop off after aesthetic lantern um number one is pincer ant which is the four time time three four killer summon nightfall enemy spells and attachments cost one more at night um so yeah good card really really good on four um for me, this is one of those cards that falls off a little bit, and I've had the experience where my opponents always play it on four and then kill a 3-3 three, three I have, and it feels amazing. And then whenever I play it, it's like turn 10, and all my opponents have are, are mantises on the board, and I'm like, oh, this card doesn't do anything. Yeah, I think the rate is just so good on this. Um, I also have been surprised by how often I feel the pain of that spell attachment costing one more at night when my opponent plays this. So I assume that they are also, my opponents are also experiencing that when I do. But yeah, they'll play it and I just be like, oh man, that just like screws up my two, my two spell turn the next turn, right? Yes. 
Yeah, no, that, I, and I agree. So it's the you kind of forget about that second effect because the killer thing is like so immediate and in your face with this card, but it definitely mm-hmm. can do some damage to you. And once again, it's the this card has a lot of text. It must be good situation. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of, uh, I guess not speaking of anything, but a card that is also very good is uh, <laughs> Insatiable Anteater. Uh, this is the five time time five four summon Nightfall when the enemy player draws their second card in a turn. Draw a card. Uh, I am. I'm not at all surprised that this is essentially tied for first. If you asked me in the dark, I would have guessed that it was probably first um, or would have been close. Uh, this is at least plus one card for you. Yes. Um, right. So, like, if your opponent even, uh, you know, kills it on their turn, you're still, you know, it's still a two for one for you because you've probably drawn a card. Because it itself has Nightfall. That's the incredible part about this card, is that it has Nightfall itself. Um, if this was, like, one of the fire cards, <laughs> it would just, like... Right. It would be a 4-4 and not have Nightfall. And uh, then you'd be like... Or, be, yeah, 4-3 without Nightfall. And then you'd be like, oh, this is a build-around card that just doesn't get there. But, yeah. I um, I also really like the art on this card. The the purple glow in the background, I just think is really, really lovely and well done. Uh, so credit my kudos to whoever the artist was on this. Yeah, I, I see this like him not it not standing on an anthill. It's like when you clearly look at the art, he's clearly yeah. just sticking his nose in the anthill. But I think of it more of like a Lion King on the edge of a cliff. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, kind of scene going on, which is, it feels just like majestic. It's like a, that's a majestic enough image for how powerful and awesome this card is. Yeah. No, I uh, I think this card is amazing. Um, you know, and it, every time your opponent hunts, they're like, please don't hit a power because now he draws you a card, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's so hard to dig yourself out of the card advantage hole you're playing against this because the way to do that is to draw cards but oh no they're drawing cards too yeah and it's a five it's it's like pretty well i mean it's obviously understated for a five drop in some sense but it's still big it's like a big unit right so you're not paying for all this extra value that you might get so it's i think it's pretty pretty incredible in that way um yeah, so number three, Al Alhead Vanguard. This is the three time time three three with charge and valor. Your spells and attachments are fast. I'm a little surprised this isn't this high on the list. Um like this card is just a three three charge valor with some trinket text on it. Like it's extremely rare for me that I cast spells or attachments at fast speed. Yeah, I mean, I always try to do that with uh, <laughs> uh, with the three cost two one, the gain of life or whatever, get that gains life uh-huh. or something, you know. Because there are some attachments and stuff in this format, but yeah, I agree that it's mo- it's like mostly mostly trinket text. So there are a few good combos with it. Hmm. Yeah, it does make your advantage fast, so you can very much surprise your opponent if they haven't been super paying attention to how much to your hunting and like what you've got in your hand you can have a lot more power than your opponent thinks, and that can sometimes get them. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, then uh, next, but I agree, it's kind of like, I mean, I think just a charge Valor is a pretty good, pretty good rate. So I think, and, and it's cheap. It's like one of the cheaper cards. So I think you always just, they find their way into decks more. Um, uh, next is a Trail Scourge, um, which is the five time time five six. Put each other unit with cost two or less on the bottom of its owner's deck. Yeah. So the base rate on this is Mantis that hit two non-power cards. And it's a sweeper. Um, yeah, it, it hits your own two drops too, but like, this is so good at stabilizing a game where your opponent has come out and played some two drops, right? If they've got some Twilight Lanterns and Tenebrous Bone Pickers or whatever, and you just play this and make them look like idiots. Um, it's got six defense. Like, it's just what an obnoxious card to have your opponent play. It just shuts the whole game down. Yeah, exactly. That's what I... I feel like this kind of reminds me a lot, uh, like the uh, the uncommon from, uh, I guess set twelve, the one that put a flyer at the bottom of the deck. <laughs> you know, it's just like a a big oh, yeah. five drop, um, that kills all your opponent's little units and and like when your opponent plays it against you and then because you don't know it's coming and your whole board disappears and then they played around it because they had it in their hand it's just like such an unbelievable card and even if you're yeah. not getting anything it's still good so because it's a five cost five six so great card agreed uh the card you're talking about is cloud scraper by the way yes cloud scraper thank you um, yeah, and so, like, this is a card that I think I would pick above Alhead Vanguard. Not that that would ever come up because they're both rares, but I, you know. I agree. And then, um, uh, and then, uh, lastly, for our sort of really good rares. There's a Diligent Hive Tender, which is the two cost time, two, two. Your insects have plus one, plus one, summon, gain, two life. I I think this is a pretty good card. There are a lot of insects in this format. Even the gain two life isn't, isn't the worst. I always expect it to be like gain life equal to the number of insects, but it's always two. Um, but yeah. yeah. I think, you know, if this card costs two, it's just a solid two drop with a lot of potential upside. Um, like I'm looking at the rares and of the rares in time, Queen Guard Leader, Alhead Vanguard, Pincer Ant are all insects, right? Like, uh, and then in the in the legendary Sky Splitter is also an insect, and Hive Queen Uther makes insects, or no, it makes bees. Never mind. Um, or maybe the bees are insects. I think the bees are like, insects. Yeah, the, the bees are insects. Yeah. So like. Uh, or just you know, just looking at these cards, there are a bunch of insects. I mean, um, or the, I mean, beekeeper makes an insect. That's like all, all, right. you, all you need to know. The best, uh, the best common uh, is also yeah. an insect. So, yeah, I agree. Um, uh, kind of pretty good card. I mean, it's not a bomb. I think by any means, but I think it it can do a lot of work. Yeah, it's a great role player. Uh, um. Then, lastly, I did the card I want to talk about uh, is 
Queen Guard Leader. This is the one cost 1-1 one, one Flying Charge, Spellcraft 6, play Pack Hunt. I mean, I think this is yeah. a, a fine card. It's it's won me games. I, I've lost to it before with the Pack Hunt. Um, nothing to write home about, but I, I definitely would pick it if there was no other really good card in the pack. Yeah, I've, I have first picked a Queen Guard Leader before. Um, I think a thing that I have been trying recently with Queen Guard Leader is to just play it. Play it on turn one. Um, it's in my opening hand rather than holding it for seven turns. And uh, it has honestly sort of surprised me how often you can get, you know, five or six damage out of your one drop flyer because they just don't want to kill it and they don't have a flying unit. Yeah, no, I agree. If you have this in your hand on turn one, I would I would play it most of the time, I think. Um, uh, a card that I am honestly surprised not to see on the, this list is Warpwood Mist. Um, this card is just like always really good against me and generally pretty good for me. It's oh, really? Four cost, fat, four cost fast spell, all units get deadly. Yeah, I don't know. It just Maybe it's because I play these time decks so much. My opponent, you know, slams this thing and drops blocks all my five cost creatures with their two cost creatures. I'm just sad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I this makes total sense to me. This is not a card I, <laughs> I would I would ever uh, play. Maybe. I guess. Oh. I just like the fact that it gives all your units like here's how far away this is from playable. If this just gave your units deadly, I would still question whether this would make my deck. <laughs> and the fact that it gives all your units and so you can't do like if I can just like play a bunch of the snails, the two fives, and then play this, and then possibly kill my opponent's units and have my units survive, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, there's like a use case for this. But the fact that if you uh, do that and your snails die, it's, uh, I don't know. It seems like its best case scenario is to be used defense. It's like a defensive thing, but that means you're behind and only have a lot of little units. That's the thing that gets me. Because like if you're ahead, this becomes sort of dead because all your big units can possibly die if they chump block them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's true. Maybe I'm overvaluing it. Yeah, I mean, if it's if you're having success, I just, that's how I think about it, is it just seems like, it's just a weird card because it's it's like, uh, it's like a very defensive card and it's like defensive in the sense that you want to have a lot of small units um, which is like not what you want your defensive deck to be doing that's a good point yeah thanks I appreciate that um, yeah and then the last uh, card is Gastro Gastrolith which I think is probably unplayable in draft so yeah I I I've had this dream of play, playing a gastrolith with a hive hexagon in play, and then I realized that that's bad too. Like, <laughs> just just like even the like. Okay, so sometimes I'm gaining a life and getting it. No, it's just it's, it's not good. The I don't. It's really hard to correctly cost a card like this, right? So at six, you can play any number of power cards per turn. It's a joke. You don't have any power left in your hand. Um. At three, this card would be way too good for constructed, right? Like, people would slam this on turn three and play a five drop or a six drop, 
or seven drop or something on turn four, right? Like, um, this would lead to bad situations. And so I think it's just, it's a card for the psychographic of people who like to build around cards, um, but aren't particularly competitive. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I just think in draft at six, you know, like six is kind of where you want to get to in draft. And so being able to play more power cards after six is just not yeah. a helpful no, activity. And I, so I'm looking at the, I, I have uh, pulled up the rares and legendaries. And so, you know, I'm looking at two sixes next to it. And so to its left is Ancient Stone Shell and to its right is Hive Queen Uther. And it's like, yeah, I want to pay six for those, not Gastrolith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So then, uh, we okay. So where are we with our fourth tree elder bar on this one? Uh, right under Insatiable Anteater for me. Yeah. I take Ant and Anteater, and then I go to Elder. Yeah, I I I agree with that. That seems pretty pretty good because like Trail Scourge is is great but sometimes it is just a five six and in in that when it is just a five six you kind of would rather have a four six endurance flyer for six mm. yep agreed um all right so now the justice rares this one's pretty interesting um because this number one is like number one by a f far of justice and it's like the number two overall winningest rare that we have um mm -hmm. and that is uh uh behind and uh, hopefully this is not too big of a spoiler but behind deep freeze <laughs> it is and this is dazzling hazebender this is the three justice justice three three flying summon give two enemy units minus three until the end of your next turn i mean what do you say about this card i'm this could be a legendary and i wouldn't be upset about it yeah, that's that's funny. I mean, I think it's a really good card. I, yeah, I guess it's like a good stabilizer because it does give the minus three. I feel like it's this good. It's this high just mostly because it's a a three three, you know, it's a three cost three three flyer. So I I might suggest it's not just a good stabilizer. It's a beating if you're coming out really aggressive and your opponent can't block anymore. Yeah, right. If your opponent. If you go two drop, three drop, this thing, your opponent is expecting to trade with your units, and now you're just still crushing in. Yeah, it's just, it's just got, it's got all, it's got the rate you want and this incredible summon ability. Yeah, no, I, I guess I hadn't really considered it in that exact use case. And so, yeah, so this kind of just like we're saying, it does everything. It d can deal a lot of damage because it's a three cost, three, three flyer. Um, it can help stabilize, it can help get damage in by making uh, units not trade anymore. Yeah, so clearly a good card and people are playing it and doing well with it. Okay, number two is Ancestral Edge. This is the five Justice, 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 3-3 three, three Lifesteal Versatile Weapon. Um, a, big, a big drop between number one and number two. Yes. Um, it is, though, yes, it is. Though it's closer to, like, all of times are about the same, which just means that, yeah. What, yeah. Ace Bender is just really good, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and Ancestral Edge is really good, too. I do like what your comment before, where this does have versatile on it, but, like, nine times out of ten, you are you want to put this on a unit because you want to be getting the consistent lifesteal. It's, it's, I don't know. It's funny. This card has been, like, clunky for me sometimes, but then whenever my opponent plays it, it's, like, a huge headache. <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I've had a deck with two of these before, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna win every game now because I have two of these." That's not true. Yeah, plus three plus three in life steal on a flying unit that goes unanswered is going to win you the game. But like to kill a unit with this is actually pretty uninspiring. You know, I can kill a unit with three toughness for three power fire and. The fact that I lose a little less life or maybe even gain a little bit of life is just not nearly that exciting to me. So this is a, you know, it's good. I would definitely pick it. Um, but I think it's I think it's excellent. Like, or it's, it's not excellent. Yeah. It's not like a game-winning bomb that you... Well, it, I mean, that's the thing. Is it can be a game-winning bomb, but it's not like the guaranteed game-winning bomb that you would hope to. Or that it feels like sometimes when your opponent plays against you. I agree. Um, yeah, and then uh, number three, I'm kind of surprised about this. Um, it is Emphatic Stoat, which is the six Justice Justice six four. It has endurance, and your soldiers have plus two plus one, and entomb Nightfall. Um, this is number three, but like there are decks where I have not played this card, even though it was in my pool. Um, but... Yeah, I can't believe this is over Rift Disaster. Um, this card just feels very medium. I don't know, maybe I'm not drafting the soldier deck correctly. Yeah, I just feel like there aren't a ton of soldiers, to be honest. And that, like, I don't know. And most of the soldiers are in justice, but then you're like really playing like just because you have an empathic. Oh, it's not emphatic. Empathic. Oh, stoat. Like, do you really want to like be playing the the three cost justice justice play two one two soldiers? Not really, right? So like, I don't know. Like, how much are you warping your deck around this card? And then if you don't warp your deck around this card. Like, a lot of the time, I mean, this is a fire card, but, like, at six cost, I'd rather just have that the fire charging common, I feel like, if I'm in Rakana. I agree. Uh, so it's just kind of a weird spot. And also, like, we keep the, the card that we use as our baseline for this episode, 4-3 Elder. Like, it's a six cost card. I'd rather have a 4-3 Elder than this, so. 100%. Yeah. So I, I, I think this card... I think this card is far worse than Rift Disaster, which is our next card on the on the list. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's known, but I kind of hate board wipes. So, like, I oh, interesting. I I I don't actually play that many Rift Disasters, um, but I agree that people. Um, I am also surprised Rift Disaster is not higher than this, uh, which is our next card. I Rift Disaster, which is I, a five justice kill all units. Each player draws a card if they had a unit with five cost or more killed this way. Sorry. Uh, I splash Rift Disaster. 
I know you put um, Rift Disaster in your aggro decks. I've seen your decks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I so this is I think this is a lesson I've learned from many years of playing Magic. You just play the board wipe in your deck. Um, sometimes you don't have to play it, but those are the games you're winning anyway. Yeah, I um, I think. I really think it might just be uh, that I play cards like Rift Disaster or I play decks with cards like Rift Disaster and Harsh Rule wrong because I am almost never happy after <laughs> with those cards. And like with my aggro decks, like I have I have way more games where I mean, in some of these, I win. So win or lose. I have way more games where Rift Disaster is stuck in my hand because I don't want to play it because I'm ahead than I have games uh, where Rift Disaster saves the game for me, which makes me feel like it, it's an overrated card. Because for a long time, I just played the cards with that in mind. And then it's like, even when, like, even when you win the game, if you, like, you win the game and you have a Rift Disaster as your last card in hand, I just think to myself, well, mm -hmm. I would have like won the game earlier or possibly like, you know, went from 95 to 99% winning if this was any other card as compared to the times that it saves my life because I'm so far behind in my ag with my aggro deck or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then also, I, not to keep ragging on this card, but like the other problem I think, I feel like in this format is like if you try to slow roll this card a little bit, like there's just so much damage potential from your opponent that like you like wipe your fire aggro opponent's board and then they, they can still just like get 12 damage out of nowhere between like chargers and nightfall and all of this stuff. And so it's like, a little hard to like i don't know i found it tricky to possible to using this to like a full effect um you, you know like because like if if they're starting with twilight lanterns or whatever you have to be playing units on the board or you're just going to die before you hit five and if you're playing units on the on the board and trading off and stuff then the rift disaster is just slowly getting worse and worse Yeah, I think you're really right. But um, but again, I can't win a game. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> um, and then uh, number five is Lucky Break. Uh, kill a blocked or blocking enemy unit. This is just a fine removal spell. Yeah, it's great. The Honestly, my biggest problem with this card is that there's the uncommon two-cost removal spell in Justice. Oh. And I get them, right? Is that That's in Justice, right? So you're talking about the one that kills a unit with a five power. Yeah. And there's one of your Aegis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I, like, one of my number one mistakes is to not realize which one I have in my hand and assume it's the other one and then try <laughs> to play it and then lose the game. Yeah, that would be a surprise. Uh, yeah, that has happened more than once for me. But yeah, I think it's a pretty good... I mean, kill a blocking or blocked unit. This is very hard to play around. And I mean, you lose damage because they have to 
block it, block your unit that you're attacking with in order to kill it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this is essentially just a, a, a removal spell. <laughs> like, like it's it kills everything because eventually they're on a blocker blocking. Except I guess for like the flyer that you need to get rid of, like when they put a ancestral edge on a unit and they're not blocking with right. it, then you're kind of in uh, trouble. If you can't muster a blocker for their unit, you are going to lose that game. <laughs> um, but this should, this this sure helps, I think. Yeah. Yeah, then there's a um, a couple cards that are just like playable, but not and seem like they should be good because they have a lot of text, but then aren't. Uh, and these are both uh, three cost justice cards. They're the three justice justice Ellis Warren Architect, which is has valor and spellcraft two play bar the gates, which just allows you to pick a card from their hand and then they can't play it for a few turns. Um, yep. I mean, it's just like a okay card but uh, you would not be shocked if this was an uncommon it's it's a three three with valor and some trinket text yeah exactly and then quinn beast heart this is a um when one of your units hunts it gets a random battle skill ultimate pay for to make one of your units hunt so this is really fun and constructed yeah that i believe i just feel like it's kind of the same with uh groves craftsmen you know you need to be hunting a lot to get a ton of value especially because it's a random battle skill so if you're just hunting once it's really not doing mm. that much and the fact that her ability is an ultimate i kind of assumed it was like a repeatable ability and then i was like oh this is a pretty strong card but the fact yeah that i'm sort of i'm sort of surprised it's an ultimate and i wonder if that's a Distracted balance thing or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because it just doesn't seem like... It It seems like it would be a very good rare if it could do it multiple times per turn. But, like, I just feel like yeah. when this is on the board, I don't even really care that much. I agree. Um, all right. So where are we at? This is uh, interesting because these are all justice cards. So it's a very uh, easy comparison to uh, to Fourth Tree Elder. I take Fourth Tree Elder after Rift Disaster, but before Empathic Stoat. I, I switch Empathic Stoat and Rift Disaster in this list, and I take Fourth Tree Elder. Um, basically, I would take Hazebender, Ancestral Edge, or Rift Disaster over the Fourth Tree Elder. Yes. And so, and then Lucky Break is just like a removal spell that's actually, you kind of feel in line with this list where it doesn't move up. I think that Lucky Break is just fine. Yeah. But I'm not going to take it over a card like Force Tree Elder. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. All right. So, uh, yeah. So then um, on to Primal. Uh, number oh, yes. one, unsurprising, is uh, Deep Freeze. This is the six Primal, 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 play a Permafrost on each enemy unit. So are you in the camp that this is a problematic card? Or in the camp that it's fine because it's triple primal. Uh, I I don't know if I would say that this card is problematic. I think it's a bad card. I think it's a bad design. Um, I so one of the important things about card games is that there's enough variance where people can win even if their opponent has more skills than them. I think that's great. Um. 
I so I'm fine with some swingy cards. Um, I'm fine with cards that are really hard to beat. I'm not fine with this card because it is just so freaking boring to play against and play with. Like, just it did the the gameplay experience. You're not fighting back against this, right? You don't, you know, don't have some valiant struggle to beat this. Um, like you do if your opponent just plays some really good, you know, bomb rare. Where you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna. I'm going to tough it out against this uh, Hermit spawn or something, right? And I'm going to do some clever blocks, and I'm going to get lucky. No, you're just losing. You're just losing if your opponent plays Deep Freeze. You can't play around it. You can't... Like, not like other sweepers where you can, you know, sniff out that they've got a sweeper in their hand and hold on to a unit. Because they're going to just keep flooding the board. Um, just... I don't know. I just hate this card. I... I want it to do something else entirely. Give it a different cost. Put make it play two perma permafrosts, um, or play permafrost on all of your units too. Turn it into an actual sweeper. I just think, I just think it's a really stupid card. Yeah, or I don't know. Give more in if you're putting this in a set at rare. Give more endurance. Like have this be the set where you have. Um... You, you know, like the just the justice relics that give endurance, something you know, yeah, something. Exactly. So you like because there's like often they play there's like literally nothing you can do. Like there's not like sometimes there are some cards like if you have that like something that gives endurance, you're like okay, there's a hope I can draw. But there's so little of that in this format that it it just feels so bad. So I agree with everything you said. Obviously, I pick those all the time, and you know, it's like one of the one of the few ways to get me to play primal. But yeah, yeah, uh, and then the number two card, and this is actually pretty high up there too for its uh, count per deck, and that is Starlight Guide. This is the two cost three one flying reckless spellcraft two play Dark Bolt. Um, it's pretty hard for this not to be a two for one with a three, you know, with an evasive attached to it um there's a lot of stuff with one toughness in this format so even if it's not knight but it's also incredibly easy for to be knight if you're playing primal and then you know this kills a actually very good unit for just actually just two and leaves behind a, you know the other the other two power you've paid is for a three one flyer which is gonna trade up most of the time exactly so, uh, yep, I I agree with this being number two. Uh, number three is Midnight Trapper. That's the three primal primal four three. Your spells deal two plus two damage at night. When Midnight Trapper hits the enemy player, uh, Nightfall. Yeah, um, I don't love this card, but I guess maybe I undervalue it a little bit. It's just like, it's got four power for three costs, so that's something. Um. I personally have not seen my spells do two more damage at night being impressive. Um, but, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it does some work, um, but not, not in any way that makes me excited. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you can tell, like, there's a big drop-off between Starlight Guide and this card in the counts mm. per deck. And I think that tracks with the... The strength of it. I mean, I think it is very good. It's like um, uh, two formats ago, um, 
when the uh, the four three for three uh, with overwhelm, and if you have a unit in your void, gain an Aegis. Like that was the top oh. uncommon um, for Primal in that set, and uh, you're like, well, this is not like it's not doing anything. It's not gaining extra value really, but it's just like Primal so rarely <laughs> gets a three cost four three that they're actually just oh. a lot better in Primal. Yeah. Is that Mind Broken Cobbler? Is that right? Yes, that Mind Broken name? Cobbler. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that's what's happening here. And I mean, I think the fact that you can trigger Nightfall multiple times is pretty cool because like, if you're a better player, then seeing more cards is probably good for you because you probably have a better deck and, and stuff. I'm like... But I agree, like, when my opponent plays this, I don't really change my game plan or figure out how I have to kill this immediately. Um, and I'm even sometimes not upset when they trigger Nightfall with it. Right. Um, actually, as compared to this next card, uh, Olos Elder Ranger, which is a 3-cost 2-3, the first time you play another unit each turn, it hunts 1, Spellcraft 4, play Wisdom of the Elder. Uh, I might o even overvalue how much I need to take this off the board. But I just like hate when <laughs> opponents play this card. No, I'm totally with you, and I'm very surprised it's this low. Um, you no, know, that partially just because Primal is so bad. Um, I just pick this card, though. I have to admit, I'm usually looking to splash it. Um. It's very splashable. It's great because if you happen to have your, your splash on turn three, you play this and all your units are better. It's fine if you don't draw your splash until late in the game because then you got seven power and it's going to draw you a couple of cards too. Um, I hate playing Primal because most mostly Primal is really bad, but I love sneaking this into my other decks. Yeah. No, I, I, that's that's kind of interesting. It is interesting. I mean, I think it is a good splash card because it's probably it's so good on seven uh, even. But it's funny that like to splash a card that wants you to play a lot of units after it sort of conceptually. But I, I totally see that. And the fact that it is single primal, I think, helps a lot. But yeah, it, it's funny. I feel like it's just because it's like hunting and then their units are getting bigger. It feels worse than the the actual effect that it's having on the game. And so I, I do think it's probably over... It's an easy to overvalue card. And this might actually mm -hmm. be close to where it should properly be valued. Um, all right. And then... Uh, Next is uh, Whistling Quill. This is number five. This is the two primal primal two one with versatile summon when the wielder hits the enemy player this turn, draw a card. I have trouble getting super excited for this card. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, don't quite get it. Um, the numbers just don't feel right to me. Yeah, and the fact that it's not like an ultimate or something. I mean, I think the there I guess there are theoretically cool things you can do with it. Like maybe if you were to put it on uh what's what's the card of veteran what's the hermit 
you know, the five cost, and then you like ping twice and you get to draw two cards, then attack and possibly draw a third card. Oh, that's really clever. Like, that would be cool, but like, there aren't actually that many cards to do that with. And so you're most likely just getting a conditional possible draw one. And the weapon's not that big. No, I just, I don't like this card. Yeah. I guess the, the, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you, yeah. I mean, I guess there are cool things. Like, theoretically, you could, like, play this on yourself and then cast a bunch of spells with Overwhelm or hit them in the face and then, like, draw a couple cards. But they're all a lot of work for for this card. And then a card I'm kind of surprised is not in the top five, and that is Heavy Hail, which is the three Primal Primal. Deal two damage to each unit. You may discard a Primal card to increase the damage by two and ignore Aegis. This was actually buffed. You used to have to, I think, discard a Sigil? Yeah, we used to, used to be a Sigil, and now, yeah. as a reminder, or it's a reminder, Sigils are Primal cards, so it's Sigils plus other Primal stuff in your hand. I agree with you. I would expect this to be higher in the list. Yeah. Um, just, you know, in my experience, it's just really not hard to come out on top after playing a sweeper, especially Heavy Hail, where you can you can be pretty sneaky and, you know, like, make sure you've got some five cost units or five toughness units and play it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have, for me personally, I have the same arguments about it that I have with Rift Disaster. But I, I'm just surprised that it, it's not more people aren't winning with this. Um, but yeah, so it's not, you know, it's not in the top five. Um, and then the last two cards, uh, the, the Seed Tender, which is the two cost Primal Primal 2-2. Two, two. You gain an Aegis when you play a spell or weapon directly on Seed Tender Hunt 1. Um, yeah, it's just not that exciting for a double primal two drop, I think is the main problem with this card. Great. Yep. And then Lippa's Blessing, the two cost two or two primal transform a unit into a three three frog. If it's your unit, it gets flying. If it's an enemy unit, it gets reckless. Yeah. They're just uh not I, I will put I will put this card in my deck, but I'm not gonna pick it anywhere high. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, if you have a really small unit, then it's, like, a pretty good weapon. Um, but, uh, you know, like, a 3-3 three, three with Reckless can also be problematic. So, so it's it's hard to uh, hard to find the exact spot for it. So where are you at with 4th uh, Tree Elder and these? Uh, probably over everything but Deep Freeze, because I don't like Primal very much. Hmm. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. I mean, I, I can imagine a world where, like, Starlight Guide is better than Fourth Tree Elder, but not in the world we're currently living. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. And then we get into Shadow, our final color. Um, and this is interesting because, you know, this is Lifetime and the top Shadow card was recently nerfed, so it'll be interesting to see if it's it, how big of a nerf it is. I think it is kind of big. Um, for, yeah, I agree. For Shadow. 
Um, but that is Zayat Steelworn Reeve, and that is the four Shadow Shadow. Used to be a 4-4, four, four, now it is a 4-2. With Deadly, summon the enemy player, discards a non-power card of your choice. In Tomb, the enemy player creates and draws a Justice Sigil. I mean, like what they described in the patch notes about how it was able to close a game out too much by itself as a 4-4 four, four Deadly, and so it was like almost people were using it as like a 4-4 four, four Deadly that got rid of a way to kill it and then it can just close out the game on its own like that was even more true in draft it's just like you just got rid of whatever could get in the way or possibly kill zayat and then you could just attack with a 4-4 deadly it was impossible to block it stabilized because it was impossible to attack into it was just an incredible card yeah i have a i have a favorite favorite zayat moment which is i played a zayat i was playing against caleb um, then Caleb traded with the Zayat, and then I played another Zayat, and he just me- he just messages me how <laughs> in all caps. Um, and then we played another game about fifteen minutes later, and he had a new deck, and he did the exact same thing back to me. It's <laughs> like okay, well that's karma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've had a couple double Zayat decks for some reason. I've yeah gotten a, a fair number of Zayats. So I will say I open right. way more Kelmax, which is not a super great card, than I've opened Zayats. But um, yeah, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. One of my favorite decks was like a, a triple Shadow Delivery with Zayat in the market deck that I had. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that so much. But like now I, I, I would be more skeptical, skeptical about doing that because it just seems like, yes you get to discard a card from the enemy's hand, but you're just like a lot less likely to be doing a lot of damage with Zayat because anything blocks it now. It is not borderline unbeatable now, but it's still amazing. I mean, I'm pretty sure I still first pick it of over the shadow of all the shadow rares. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Though I guess that's, yeah, it's interesting. Like feed the Hecaton, I think was close. That also got nerfed. So I haven't really considered like how that affects it. it's play and draft though i feel like it probably affects it less than yeah. the nerf to zion but actually we're not ready to talk about that card because right above that though they're very close is uh margo the bone guy this is the two shadow shadow two three when margo hits the enemy player hunt one ultimate pay five to transform a unit from your from any void into a versatile weapon with the same cost and attack and health then draw it now, see, this is a a double influence two drop rare that you want to play. <laughs> that's that's worth playing as compared to the primal one. Yeah, this card. Uh, I mean, so if you start hitting your opponent, you're gonna keep hitting your opponent probably. If you never hit your opponent, you're gonna get some obnoxious as hell weapon. Um. My favorite is the rat, obviously. Like, just you play some rats, one of them dies, get a two cost, four, three we- versatile weapon. Um, and Murgo, this, this card is just incredible. Um, I, I will, I start to really warp my deck if I've got a Murgo in it because then, like, all of the um, cards that get units back from your void become much more interesting to me because I just want to ultimate Murgo over and over again. Yeah. Exactly. It's one of it's just 
a card that, yeah, it's great on two, it's great late. Um, it can be a two for one. So yes, just a very strong card. It's got enough going on that it wouldn't surprise me if it had been a legendary, but they, they did, they mostly in this set didn't just make the legendaries really good. They made them you know, do weird stuff. And I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, number three is Feed the Hecaton, which is the three shadow spell. The enemy player sacrifices a unit of their choice. You may exhaust a unit with seven or more total attack to make them sacrifice an additional unit. This is such a strong card. And I think it's still probably a very strong card at three as compared to two. Yeah, for draft, the cost increase barely matters. Um, I... You know, it is a strong card. One of the things I think is funny about it is, like, Keeper makes it look pretty bad, though. <laughs> no, it's true. There are definitely decks against which it's not not great. But, like, I, bad, I think, is even a strong word. Because you're still... I mean, against yeah. two Beekeepers, it's bad. But, like, against one Beekeeper, it's just, like... You know, you're losing out on four damage, but you're still just one for oneing your opponent there. Um, That's true. Yeah. So absolutely. It, it's like worst case scenario is still not that bad, I think. I mean, obviously, I guess the worst case scenario is you don't have a seven cost unit and then you're just killing the one one, in which case mm. then it's pretty bad. But yeah, I, I don't know. This can just wreck decks so badly that I, I think this is. Yeah. I don't know. I probably pick this. I used to pick this above, or I, I probably would like this above Mergo. No, again, this is never a question that you have to ask because they're both rares, but um, mm. maybe at three, Mergo's the better card and also the more fun card, which, uh, you know, counts for a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. The, Next card is a Viper Fang Spear, the five shadow shadow four two deadly versatile. This is kind of a weird card, I I think, um, <laughs> but I I think it's good because it's a five cost kill anything uh, when you play it on yourself. Um, but then it's kind of just weird to have a card that makes your units deadly, but then have a lot more attack than health. Yeah. I, I don't get the numbers on this. Well, I do get the numbers on this, because if it was plus two, plus four, this card would be oppressive as hell. Um, I, I think probably, honestly, they could have almost any attack number on this. But as it is, it does occasionally make this, you know, for five, giving it a bunch of attack. All right, I'm, you know what? I'm talking myself into understanding these numbers. Really, but so giving this weapon a bunch of attack means on five, if the board is empty and you just need to kill your opponent, it actually gets the job done. So I think I respect that. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a, a cool weapon. It's not overly oppressive, but it's like it's still very strong, and so it's like a, a weapon. I think you're happy happy to first pick. Um. All right, then number five, uh, pretty interesting. This is uh, Dark Deed. This is the four Shadow Shadow. Steal the cursed unit while its total attack or health is six or less. Um, 
Yeah, this can be very strong. I mean, I have had this get blown up by my opponent's um, uh, buffing, you know, their unit to gain it back and stuff, uh, which can be problematic. Don't really want to put this on a Valor unit. <laughs> um, things like that. But yeah, this is a pretty strong card because it's kind of like a two for one most of the time. Right. Yeah, occasionally you get blown out, but mostly... You know, even the fact that it just steals like smaller units, it's fine. It's just totally fine. Yeah, exactly. And like we've been seeing, there are definitely some pretty powerful, uh, strong units in this in this set. Um, yeah, a couple. There's a couple other kind of powerful cards that didn't make the list. Pretty interesting. Uh, Ravenous Bat, which is the four shadow three three flying summon sacrifice any number of other units to hunt that many times. You gain that much life. Uh, this one's, I think, just fine as a 4-cost 3-3 three, three flyer. I have a lot of trouble figuring out when it's appropriate to sacrifice any number of other units and how often that's worth it, because uh, the life gain just feels like not um, a big enough <laughs> incentive for me to do that often. No, I I, I think this is a four cost three three flyer. Yeah, but it, it's it's that's a fine card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, if your opponent has cast a deep freeze, you can eat all your uh, frozen units. Yeah, that would be. I would be happy if that were to happen. Of course, yeah, your opponent still has a full board and probably a removal spell in hand, um, <laughs> but but that would be sweet. But there's just so yes. few things like that in this format. It kills me. Like, Shadow does have a couple like that. It has, uh, you know, the Midnight Hunter and stuff. But there's still not that much even sacrifice. Um, I just wish every color yeah. had some way to make use of <laughs> the units, the dead units from Deep Freeze. Um, all right. And then uh, another card, Kelmac, that I mentioned, the Blood Spear. This is a 4 Shadow Shadow 3-2 Summon Hunt 1 in Nightfall in Tomb. If it's not Night, draw Kelmac from your Void. I feel like this card should be better than it's played for me, but it's been underwhelming the few times I've played it, even though it seems like it should be sweet. Uh, I'm just going to say that when I play this card, it's sweet. Oh really? Um, I I can't believe it's so low. Yeah, this card is great. Oh man, I don't know. It just like never does anything. And I loved, um, the card from last set, the three one frenzy return it from the void. That was like my favorite card. And then uh, this card, I was kind of expecting similar feelings from. And I don't know. It's just always felt awkward to me. Like, either they kill it immediately, in which case it's night so you don't draw it, or then, I don't know. It just seems like it should be sweet, because it seems like not that hard of a condition to hit. It constantly grows, theoretically. It triggers Nightfall, which is sweet. But then, yeah, I've, I also haven't had luck, um, along with the other people submitting to the spreadsheet with this card. Fascinating. Yeah. But it's good to know that you like it. Maybe I'll keep trying it. Because I got to the point where I was just like not really picking them that highly, um, too, at some point. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think this card is quite good. 
Yeah, and then the shadow has uh, um, has uh, one of the unplayable spells that every color seems to have uh, this format at rare, and that is Zayat's Advice. That's the four shadow shadow. The enemy player discards five random units from their deck. Then units in their void get void bound. I don't know what to say. Like this card is really bad, and yet people play it against me constantly. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. You shouldn't really play I, this. I mean, it feels like it could possibly. It's just cards that are a zero for one, even if they have like a cool effect, or are not worth playing. It's like the justice one. I think I didn't even mention it that. Oh, gives your yeah. opponent minus four power for the turn or whatever. It's it's just like that one needs to <laughs> yeah, that one needs to draw you a card, in which case it would be quite good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just so bad. Um all right, so with all of these rares, uh where are you now with the um with fourth tree elder? Underfeed the Hecaton, I think. I think I still take Zyot and Murgo and feed the Hecaton. Over it, yeah. Maybe not feed the Hecaton. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, that's the thing with Shadow is I feel like a lot of these, like Dark Deed, I could almost see because that is a two-for-one. Like, obviously Fourth Tree Elder is powerful, but it is just like a big, dumb evasive unit, and like Dark Deed oh. can really s swing a game around, too. Um, and then... Even Viper Fang, like that's like, oh well, I can just kill their <laughs> opposing fourth tree elder, or put it on my fourth tree elder, and then win the game immediately because um, it's unkillable. Um, yeah, except by a kill spell. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. So I I I could see myself dithering, and then and then having a rare bias kind of like. Maybe possibly picking like yeah. Viper Fang Spear or Dark Deed above Fourth Tree Elder, but I agree it's close around there. Yeah. I mean, what I think is interesting is that like Shadow Rares are just all good, right? Yeah. These top five rares are just all good cards. You know, we there are uh, honestly looking at all the colors we've gone through. This is the only one where I'm like, all right, you know what? There are pretty solid arguments for each of these over. For the fourth trailer. So, yeah. despite their numbers being, you know, ostensibly lower than some of the other things. So, yes. And a part of that can just be is like, if all the rares are good, then none of them are going to like stand out in the spreadsheet a little bit. Um, I think. But, yeah. So, cool. Well, I think that was, that was a pretty good episode there. So, yeah. Not much need to talk about the multicolor ones, I think. Yes, because it's all, at least rare, it is just the Silexes. Yeah. Plus a, yeah. A poacher's Menagerie. Is like oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Yes. I, I think the fact that there is a, like, it's only six, right? Out of 448 decks, you've got six Poacher's Menagerie. That stupid card. I'm sorry. It's just still, it's still so damn frustrating to play against that card. I know. Just, I, I lost yesterday to it, and I was like, 
I've been doing this for like a year and a half or something now, right? Like losing to Poacher's Menagerie. Yeah, it's funny. Like Poacher's Menagerie has a count of six, which is like lower than any of the top fives that we've talked about, which again makes sense because it's in just one pack and it's um, a double justice, double shadow card. And then the, the other multicolor card, again, this is from uh, set 13, is uh, Break and Enter, which has a count of nine. Uh, and that's the Stone Scar card, which is pretty interesting because if you multiply nine by three, you get 27, which is the same <laughs> number as uh, Deep Freeze. So Break and, Break and Enter, definitely an overperformer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's it it's got a good cost and it goes to your opponent's face. Yeah, and it does that thing above the top of your deck, which turns out it's great, especially in Nightfall. I mean, obviously there's Hunt, which mitigates that a little bit, but Nightfall means you're drawing more cards and seeing those kind of cards earlier. So, yeah, pretty powerful. All right, so I think we will uh, end our show there. So as always, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you everyone who's signed up for the patreon you can check that out at uh patreon.com slash farming internal um and help donate to the show and keep getting these episodes made um and if you would like to support the show in other ways you can give a thumbs up to raven dragon's uh, reddit post so people on reddit can see it as well as join the discord there's a link in the uh show um the show description to get there and where a bunch of like-minded people are talking about draft though i guess not all like-minded we disagree a lot um but yeah it's a fun place to come and hang out so yeah have a great week everyone bye